it's not about understanding it's about compassion you know mm-hmm. like you don't need to understand the pain that someone's gone through you just need to have the compassion for them where they're at now Welcome to the Voted Least Likely podcast. I am your host, Leah Yard. I'm a high school dropout who accidentally became an entrepreneur. After spending over a decade working minimum wage jobs, having a complete mental breakdown, and losing all confidence in myself, I somehow started a successful jewelry company. I am the least likely person to have ended up in the fashion industry, the least likely person to have overcome crippling anxiety, and the least likely person to have ever had the confidence to share my story. And I know if you are here, you've likely felt something similar. This piece of internet real estate is a place for us to share how we overcame our own obstacles and found a place to thrive, even if it was the last place we ever thought we would end up. We are talking all things related to failure with a little sense of humor on the side. It's time to expose the narratives we tell ourselves and the ones the world places on us. This is the Voted Least Likely podcast. Welcome, Tyra, to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. If you can just give everybody a little intro on who you are and what it is that you do. Yeah, for sure. Um, thank you for having me. Um, so my name is Tyra. I work at the Downtown Eastside Women's Center. Um, I'm currently in fundraising and communications, but I've kind of been everywhere. I've done volunteering, frontline work for quite a few years. So I have knowledge of a kind of a few different things. So Amazing. Yeah. When you say frontline work, what what does that mean exactly? Um, yeah, so I worked graveyards at our shelters um, okay. for a few years and um, and then moved to day shifts, but that's kind of um, like you're right in the, yeah, in the front line of it all. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Amazing. How did you get into this work? Um, so my degree is in gender studies. And it's, of course, one of those degrees where you're like, what am I going to do with this degree? <laughs> totally. <laughs> So I started volunteering in 2017 when I was still um, in my degree. And then I was like, yeah, I think it's, you know, a good organization. And I liked uh, volunteering there. So then I started working there the year later. And yeah, it's just kind of gone from there. Amazing. And for those who don't know, can you explain what the DEWC is, who you guys help, um, yeah, just for people who, who aren't familiar with the organization. Yeah, for sure. Um, so it's the Downtown Eastside Women's Center. We're located uh, in the Downtown Eastside in Vancouver, and we help um, a lot of women and gender diverse people who are um, unhoused or living in poverty um, in the Downtown Eastside. A lot of people come from different areas as well to Vancouver because of our climate you know it's it's warmer here than it is in like Saskatchewan totally um, so yeah a lot of people uh tend to gather down here and um yeah they come to us use our services we have a, a bunch of different stuff offered so we have things like housing support and uh, victim services and uh, cultural programming. We have a lot of Chinese seniors because the downtown east side is right beside Chinatown. 
Um, so historically, there's been a lot of overlap between those two areas. Um, so yeah, a lot of Chinese seniors, we have an Indigenous women's program, uh, we have two drop-in centers, and then three uh, emergency shelters, two of which are open 24 hours. And um, at a few of our sites, we have a volunteer program, let's call their peer program. And um, they'll do things like answer the door, and that's people who are from within the community. Um, and it's a really great way to have allow some structure in people's lives. And then they're also uh, compensated for the work that they do. Um, so, yeah. Amazing. What is your, so I, I used to work in Gastown for years and now our studio, the jewelry studio is uh, on Kiefer street, but Kiefer in Maine. So we're very close to you guys. Um, cool, yeah. Yeah. And it's obviously, you know, every day you see people struggling and it's really hard to know how to help, what to do. Um, and I think a lot of people feel that way. And you just, what I hate is that I'm getting used to seeing it, which shouldn't be a thing, right? Like we shouldn't be used to seeing this. This shouldn't be something that's common. Um, I'd really like to hear your perspective on just what you think maybe some of the misconceptions are that the general public has about the downtown east side because I the more I've been there the more I've seen that it's so much more of a community and there's a lot more to it than what it looks like on the outside um, but since you're kind of in the thick of it and helping support a lot of people I'd love to hear just kind of help demystify some of what I think a lot of people don't understand about it. Yeah, of course. I think the one thing that you said is community is a big thing. Um, yeah, you you don't see that when you're just passing by, no. um, especially working with a lot of women and gender diverse people like the community here and especially with within like our Chinese seniors and our Indigenous women and trans women. Like it really is a place that people can come together and find love and find support from one another which is a really great thing. Um, I think another really big misconception is the violence. Like I have, I have friends who are really scared to walk through the downtown east side and I get it to a point like it is, especially if you identify as a woman, like it can yes. be um, pretty scary. And that is not to dismiss the violence that does happen down here, but a lot of it is not because people are, maybe using substances or because they're unhoused it's a lot more systemic than that you know we'll have um a common one is uh like lateral violence will happen a lot so you have um the street sweeps which I don't know if you're familiar with them no I'm not yeah so the city of Vancouver and the uh, Vancouver police do these street sweeps uh pretty regularly and it just um, they do them to clean up the sidewalks and stuff. So basically, if you have items because you've been sleeping in a tent on the sidewalk, um, you leave it unattended. These street sweeps can come through. And if you're not there to attend to your things, like they get thrown out. Mm -hmm. So it's really hard when you, you know, you've, okay, you found a tent, maybe you had belongings in there, maybe you had you know, these substances that are helping you get through everyday life in there, and then they're tossed out, and you can't really 
you know, go to the people who are, who are doing that. So you have lost that power. And so then what happens is that you have to laterally where you're able to, you know, there's a lot of stealing that goes on and it's just because people are in survival mode and that's just like what they have to do um, in order to like sustain their life. Yes. So um, yeah. And like, that's obviously not good that there is lateral violence, but I think that it's, it's important to note that it's not just because people are, you know, using drugs or anything like that. Totally. I'm so glad that you said that, especially about the violence, because now, again, as I said, I've worked close to that neighborhood for years and I have been in some very uncomfortable situations. I have seen some things I'd like to not see, but I have never been threatened or harassed or felt like my safety was at risk. And in fact, I've seen other people who have a lot less than me helping out someone else. And that's what that community piece is. Like you see, if there's somebody who's struggling, like if I'm by myself walking to work and there's not a lot of people around and I see somebody that's, maybe it's a a male who's bigger than me and I don't know what state he's in and he's maybe having a hard time. I don't feel comfortable going up and, and checking or, or engaging because I don't know what is going on here, but I have seen other people do that. You know, maybe another male will come up who's in a lot worse shape than I am and, you know, just approaches with this just compassion. Like there's just so much compassion. And I think that just as you said, how people believe that it's just, you know, oh, these people are all drugged up and whatever. That's not true at all. There's a series of events that could get anybody in an unpleasant situation. And exactly like what you're saying, I didn't realize those street sweeps that was going on. I cannot imagine having everything that you've got just, just taken away. And then you're starting over again. Um, I have no idea what the answer is to any of this stuff, but it's, I really do believe the more we can have empathy and understand that any one of us could be there. Like, like it's not a problem that is, you know, Oh, those people and us, no, any one of us could have a series of events where you are in a situation where you have to be in survival mode, like that, and it's not about addiction and not, I mean, sometimes that, but mental health, everything, like there's things that happen that people just, you get in a cycle. Um, yeah, I just, the violence thing, I just really hope that people hear that because of course you have to be safe and you have to be aware of your surroundings and all that, but nobody's out to get you. Like people are just surviving and doing what they can. And, um, I I just really hope that people understand that because I think it's easy to chalk that up and then not get involved because, you know, you can just say, well, that's not a problem that I can, that I can help with. Um, For people who do want to help, what is the best way? Yeah, I think, and it's interesting being now on the other side of things, right? Because I get to see the, the fundraising side and where that money is going. So monetary donations are always welcomed. Um, We have a lot of uh, like small businesses that do fundraising for us where they do like a portion of their sales, which is um, really helpful. And, um, you know, some businesses have done 
like little fundraisers for us if they uh, during uh, International Women's Day or things like that. Um, also clothing drives. We are consistently always out of underwear and socks. <laughs> so if you, you know, if you ever want to do a clothing drive and just get underwear and socks, like oh. that is perfect. We, and it, because it's one of those things where like, if you don't, some of our sites don't, uh, have like oh like our sites do have laundry at most of them um but sometimes they don't and then you know maybe it's not your top priority to clean your socks and underwear so it's just of course you know like a one or two day use anyways um and then clothing drives yeah are are really big um and just supporting us you know we uh will post on social media when we need uh certain items and it's really great when people uh repost that stuff and yeah, and support us during some events. Also just supporting the downtown east side in general, coming out for like the Women's Memorial March um, and other events like that. Yeah. I I really think being in the area is so important too. Like it's, I live in the West End and then I work in Chinatown. So I spend most of my time in Chinatown and um, <laughs> it's just one of those things, like there's times where I thought, oh, you know, it's just so hard to see some of the stuff that's going on on Hastings and that. And I think sometimes I'd like to not see it, right? Because it, it's mm-hmm. hard, but I'm also really, I think it's really important that we do face it because not everybody has the luxury of going to a different neighborhood afterwards and, you know, going to a safe home and, and all of that. Um, and I think, again, if people spend more time, they could get a bigger picture because, you know, we have people that don't live in Vancouver that they see stuff on the news and it is such a skewed version of what is going on. Yeah. Like it's, it looks yeah. so extreme. It does look very violent. It looks very unsafe. And it's not like that. Like it's really, yes, there's really hard stuff going on, of course, but it's, it's not, I think, again, I go back to the violence just because that's what I, I think deters most people, but it's not like that. It really isn't. Um, and I mean, that's a, a media it's obviously easier to get attention if you show all that stuff right but yeah I love do you have any um just on that topic of because there's always good news there's always nice good stuff going on do you have any stories of maybe um just something that's really even a transformation story maybe or something that somebody has um something positive that's going on like I know you guys are doing such great work is there other businesses that you think are doing or organizations that are doing good work is there something they're not showing on the news (laughs) yeah yeah I think a really great success story that we'll have is when women get housing because it is a long process BC housing it's like sometimes up to like a five or ten year wait depending on your circumstances you know maybe you have a pet or maybe you need a certain accessibility that not every um, housing unit will have Um, so when people do get housing after a really long time it's very exciting and it's yeah it's really beautiful to see and it's and it is like you said in a way a transformation because you go from you know living um with out a house for however many years or months or weeks and then you get your own space again and it's privacy is hard to come by down here you know when you're always um, surrounded by people or if you're out on the street like it's 
it's yeah. hard to not have privacy. And so to be given that finally is a, it's a really beautiful thing. And yeah, I think that's, it's a, it's a really um, beautiful thing to hear. When yeah. Gets mm-hmm. Do you get to like follow along? Like, do you stay in touch with people that have had that kind of life change and you get to stay in touch or I'm sure you're probably on to the next, <laughs> the next thing, but. Yeah. Um, I, I don't work specifically with housing. That's we have right. our housing workers who do that. So I think that they, they keep up and they make sure that, you know, people are, are making their payments and, yeah. Uh, make sure that they have everything that they need and whatnot. Um, so we definitely do keep up. But now that I'm a bit removed from it, I don't, I'm not right there. Yeah. Seeing it all happen still. But yeah. Yeah. Amazing. It must be so, um, I can't imagine the mindset shift of going from being in survival mode like that to now having a safe place um, to be. That's definitely something I think we all take for granted, you know, and um, the privacy, like you said, that's especially being if you're a female on your own out there, it's yeah, that would be that would be huge. So I can imagine that's a, a gigantic mindset shifts just mm-hmm. to have that sense of um, peace and, and safety. That's I can't believe it takes you set up to 10 years. Sometimes, yeah, like BC housing, just because there aren't very many yeah. um, units or sometimes people um, are offered something. But and and I think this is another thing that the is shared in the media sometimes where people are offered an SRO, which is a single room occupancy, yeah. very similar to like dorms um, yeah. in college, and they're offered an SRO and they turn it down. And you know, plenty of reasons for that where you know beggars can't be choosers. Well, you know, if if this is your money and you don't have very much of it anyways, in you don't want to live in a, you know, 50 square foot place or whatever. Totally. Like you don't, you don't necessarily have to like put your money towards that. Or like you said, like communities are really big things. So unless you're getting something that you want, maybe you're not um, saying yes in that moment um, or safety, you know, maybe you have someone who has, stalked you or has been an abuser in the past for you in that building so you're not going to take it Um, maybe the location is off because I know we have some housing up by like Queen Elizabeth which is a beautiful place but if you don't have the you know accessibility to food and accessibility to your community it can also be quite isolating Yes. So, I mean, there's a bunch of factors that go into it, I think. Um, yeah. And it's, it's not always, yeah, what, what you want when you're offered a place. And then I, I understand why people turn them down because you want to, you want to feel safe. You want to feel yeah. happy in a space that's yours. So. Totally. I think that's a really important point. Cause yeah, from the outside, you can obviously judge the situation and think like you said um, beggars can't be choosers kind of thing but when it comes to safety and just accessibility and if you're far away now and and now you have to spend money to get somewhere where there is community I mean it just doesn't make any sense at all Um, and I don't know what the because I have heard uh, I don't know if this is true or or how common this is but some of these places just the buildings themselves aren't very safe like the 
you know, just maybe aren't up to code or whatever. Like there was that terrible fire a few years ago and it was, yeah. is that a common thing where the places yeah. themselves aren't safe, not just who's yeah. in them, but. Right. No, absolutely. And I thank you for bringing that up because yeah, we get, um, like, I remember one woman told me the story of how someone I think threw something through her window and it shattered and she was pretty high up. Yeah. Um, and it was during winter and for whatever reason, I'm not sure if it was BC housing or if it was maybe like a private, um, like, I don't know who owned the building, but they didn't fix it for like months. So when you're like <laughs> in the cold and, you know, she tried to put like sheets up and stuff, yeah. but like, that's also not safe. Yeah. And yeah. And like, I mean, some of them will have like, rat infestations or like bed bugs and it's just yeah. like I mean I don't know any of my friends or family that would want to live in a place like that so like exactly I, you know I don't blame people for not wanting to move into a place that's like just yeah not um that it's just like kind of kind of gross like totally or unsafe yeah I know it's wild that we think all of a sudden, you know, we can lower the standards of somebody else when it's not our problem, right? Like, I feel like it's mm -hmm. so easy to just be like, oh, well, there's plenty of housing and all that. But I don't, I think there's, I don't know how much safe housing there is or comfortable housing or housing that a another person that isn't in that situation would be comfortable being in. I've had bed bugs once in my life and it was horrendous. And it's I, terrible. Yeah. It's terrible. Like I would, I, there's no way, like, no, thank you. That's no. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I, again, it's just one of those things that you, you, I didn't know how true that was. And I wasn't sure. Again, I, I likely heard that on the news or something. So you don't know if it's been skewed in a certain way, but I, I'm not surprised to hear that that's a common thing where it's not possibly safe to begin with. And then it takes a while for it to get fixed because it's not a priority, which is just awful. Like it's just awful. Um, yeah. mm -hmm. If people wanted to get involved in volunteering, are there any ways they can get, because again, I still think it's good for people to come to the neighborhood and, and be there and see what's going on and, and, um, so it, obviously financially, that's awesome if people can donate, but if they want to get involved, like really involved, um, are there volunteer opportunities for people to do that? Yeah, so we have, we do have volunteer opportunities for people outside of the community. Um, kind of since COVID hit, they've been really full. Like we haven't had very many openings, which is, it's really great, but yeah. also it's, you know, for people who want to come in and help, it's like, well, what do you, you know? <laughs> so I think um, there is a page on our on our website and you can apply to volunteer. And then if someone else, like if we need you, then our volunteer coordinator will reach out. Um, we also do like for our recent um, uh, Indigenous Peoples Day, I know we had organization come through and they helped with some planning and um, I think oh. bought like refreshments and things like that so sometimes there are opportunities for like corporates um, sponsors or volunteering things like that um, and if you're interested you can always reach out to me or reach out to our volunteer coordinator yeah amazing great do you have any 
um, I don't know how to word this really, but any like, I don't want to say end goal, but if you could, I don't know, you have a magic wand and you could make one big change or do you see a problem that, that has a solution you think should be simple or something like that? Is there kind of just a goal you have in mind that you want to see through? Mm-hmm. I think, you know, the the goal for me would be if we could house everyone, it would just fix so many things. I mean, even with our, like our street sweeps and stuff like that, like it's been proven that those tent cities are not safe, as, especially for women. Yeah. Um, so it's not like, it's not a solution to do the street sweeps and it's not a solution to have a tent city. So what do you do? You house people. And I think sometimes people um, who are outside of the community think that the goal should be to have everyone be sober, you know, so that they can continue to contribute to society in whatever way that that looks like, and which is usually very capitalistic, right? Like yeah. they need to be um, giving some sort of like profitable, like value back to society. Yes. yes. Um, which I don't think is necessary. Um, I think that if you have housing and you do want to detox, it is a lot easier to have a safe space to do that in versus, you know, detoxing is brutal. Doing that in a shelter or on the street is terrible. So if that is someone's goal, having housing is, you know, really positive. Um, I think at the end of the day, like just having a place to be is, is so valuable and I think also just like I mean to be unhoused is is very intense I mean you have you have nowhere to keep your things and I, a lot of the shelters and including ours like we just don't have the storage for people's stuff yeah so you have to live very like in the moment like you can only have a backpack or a suitcase and you can't really keep things yeah so that's always really um it would be nice to have your own space to do that right and yeah I think yeah at the end of the at the end of the day it would be just to get everyone housed and then um it's just one less thing for on people's minds one less thing for them to have to worry about which is like a a basic human need having a Uh, roof over your head just takes out some of the worry which is good yeah Yeah. what I don't know that you know the answer to this but what is the main reason that people is there a main reason that people become unhoused I think like a lot of the root of it is trauma I haven't met anyone in our sites that are there because they were just like you know, a rebellious teenager and then kind of got sucked down. And, and even if that's the case, like, you know, why are you rebelling? Do you not have supportive parents, you know, for whatever reason? We have people who, you know, trauma in all, all different types of way, like um, body trauma. So a lot of people have health issues, you know, whether that be physical, um, mental, um, and that 
can be very hard if you can't, you know, sustain a job mm -hmm. or you can't, I mean, disability in Canada is not super, um, you're not very protected um, when you're disabled. And especially living in Vancouver, it's obviously a very expensive city yes. to be in. Um, but yeah, I I kind of forget what the question was. I feel oh, like I'm going on. No, a that's, <laughs> no, you're on the right track. I, it was just, I didn't know if there was, just because we've talked a lot about um, the drug use in that, but I mm, was right. asking just what is sort of the main reason? Is it drug use? Is it, um, you know, as you're saying, trauma? Is it just that people can't afford, like, because um, again, I think that's something that a lot of people kind of chalk things up to one thing, but I'm sure there's many reasons, but I was just curious if there was one specific thing that you see as a common thing. Yeah. And like, you know, why, why do people have a beer at the end of the day? Exactly. You know, why do people smoke a, you know, smoke in general? Like we all have something that we're, you know, trying to, you need to relax or whatever. Of course. And that. I mean, it shows up with people who have very severe trauma, you know, and I think we often ask the question, like, you know, people are using drugs, we need to get them off of them, or people are alcoholics, we need to stop that. But it's like, why? You know, people, people don't choose this life, like people yeah. don't want to be homeless or want to be. And I think some people, um, a very common thing people will say is like well you know if you wanted to get out of it you could and it's obviously a lot more complex than that yes but yeah at the end of the day uh trauma that people have and trying to numb that pain and then maybe it just gets taken too far and when you're unhoused you experience so much more trauma yeah. I mean the amount of you know, trauma I've accumulated from just working at these sites and yeah. whether that be secondhand or seeing things happen, like, you know, so I can't even imagine to be in that situation, like how much is happening to you. And yeah, so it makes a lot of sense why people use when they yeah. have that trauma. Mm -hmm. Well, and like you said, having a beer at the end of the day, you know, you'll see people come out of the liquor store buying alcohol and scoffing at somebody who's asking for help, you know, and it's like, well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're all using really in some capacity, we're all using something yeah. to get by. So you mentioned trauma being a contributing factor to people ending up in challenging situations on the downtown east side. Is there a specific or a common traumatic, I don't want to say theme, but something that you see um, like a pattern that has come up that you've seen in more than one person or just generally in your, your time working there? Yeah, definitely. Um, we serve a lot of Indigenous women and a lot of people who are uh, two-spirited or otherwise gender diverse and trans women who are Indigenous and so many of them have come from uh, a residential school, whether that be their grandparents, their parents, they were in a residential school. I remember on my my first day uh, working a, a graveyard shift in the morning when everyone woke up, I sat down with this one woman and she told me that like she was in a residential school and it's just like you feel so 
um, especially being white myself, like you feel very detached from it. Like, oh, that happened so long ago. And so to be talking to someone who actually experienced it and, you know, she would tell me some stories and they were not great stories, but she would try to make light of them. And I think that that was like her way to kind of cope. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's incredible. And, and um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the 60 scoop. No, I'm not. It was a time between um, the 1960s, I want to say until the late 1980s, where a lot of Indigenous children um, were taken from their families because their families were deemed like not, um, like they weren't going to be able to support them or like not, uh, yeah, not going to be able to provide for them in whatever way. And so these kids were taken put into foster care and then adopted into white families, which of course added to a lot of indigenous people losing their heritage and their culture because they, when you grow up in a family that doesn't share that with you and it's not taught through your generations. Right. Um, So, I mean, all of that is very, very traumatic and it's a very common, like you said, theme of women and gender diverse two spirit people in the downtown east side to have experienced that yeah that I can't imagine and just as you're saying it again like I'm as a white person I have no concept of of what that's like I I have no way of knowing what that's like and I totally agree that it does feel like that was so long ago like it doesn't because it's not it hasn't been a lingering theme in my life or in my family but this concept that like generational trauma which I can't relate to that. And that's just so hard. And I can't imagine, um, you know, carrying on. And how do you explain that to somebody who doesn't know what it's like, right? Like, it would just be so impossible to put that into words. Um, I'm really glad that you mentioned that because we just celebrated Canada Day, which obviously means something different to everybody. And, um, you know, there's a, a lot of history that we shouldn't be very proud of. And um, I think it's just so important that we recognize things like this. And again, talk about it because just turning a blind eye doesn't do anything for anybody. And the more we can understand, the more I think we can be um, supports to, to other people and especially to people that maybe we can't relate to their situation. Yeah, no, totally. And it's, I, I don't remember who said this, but it's not about um, understanding, it's about compassion. You know, Mm -hmm. like you don't need to understand the pain that someone's gone through. You just need to have the compassion for them where they're at now. And I think that that's very powerful. I think it was a lock something. Anyways, yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah, totally. Because I guess there is no way to understand it really. Like there's unless you go through it you you can't I there's no there's no way but yeah the the compassion I mean that goes so far and Mm -hmm. um just being able to I think being able to be open to hearing it too because I think a lot of people just don't want to deal with it they don't want to hear because it we have to collectively take responsibility for our history and that's a hard thing to do (laughs) it doesn't feel good like you know Mm -hmm. nobody wants to to be held responsible for something like that so I I I think that's a a really beautiful way of putting it is just 
again, focusing on the compassion and that's something we can all do more of. And I think it really comes down to, to learning more. If people do want to learn more, like more stories like that, is there, uh, this is just, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but is there, are there resources that uh, are um, just good places for people to go to learn more? I mean, obviously you can Google anything these days, but are there organizations, resources that people can learn more about the history and how we can, you know, be more understanding and compassionate? Mm-hmm. Um the Downtown Eastside Women's Center actually released um, a testimony of uh, a bunch of uh, Indigenous women from in the area in uh, 2019, and it was just uh, testimonies and other statistics and things like that. And it's actually on our website, and it's available for free, so anyone can look at it. And it's called uh, Red Red Women Rising. can't imagine getting out of it like once you're in that cycle it's like you said it's incredibly hard and there's so many steps like you you have to detox you have to have a place to stay while you detox you have to stay sober then you yeah. have to like you know and and people don't want to work minimum wage jobs like you know you don't you look a lot of people I think look down at people who work at McDonald's and do those jobs that everyone really relies on totally and you know, so, but it's, it's hard to do those jobs and it's hard to do that while you're also dealing with like a a plethora of other issues going on in your life. And like, yeah, it's really, it's hard when it's not all just there for you for sure. And I also think like we, because we live in a capitalist society, it's also like such a priority in our in our heads to like well this person needs to be giving back to society in some way they need to be working earning their their life essentially right and you know that's just like not the case I mean obviously it it is reality but the the amount of work that it's kind of like unpaid labor like um, that community members do down here is it's really beautiful and it also is you know, it's kind of in opposition of capitalism and whatnot, but it, it doesn't mean that it's not valuable work in yeah. some way. It just is not valued in the same way that, you know, we we see things when we're in capitalism, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, totally. Well, and exactly like just the value that's placed on it, like how fulfilling is your life if you're you know, if you're in the community and you're helping and you're, you're looking out for your neighbor and all that, I mean, that's pretty invaluable work, but mm-hmm. if you're not getting paid for it, then you can't, right. <laughs> you, can't <Then> you're... <laughs> you can't really get ahead, but yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so if people are wanting to get involved, best thing to do is to, if they have the, the means to donate, if they have the time and, Maybe you guys will need volunteers again. I'm sure you'll need volunteers at some point, but um, yes, I'm, I'm happy that it's, I'm ha- really happy to hear you guys have had support of people um, uh, helping out and, and reaching out and wanting to get involved. Um, where can people find you and get in touch? And you've been such a, a support and you're so lovely to talk to. Um, oh, thank you too. <laughs> <laughs> um, if people want to get in touch to see how they can get involved, what's the best way to reach out and um, see what, what they can do to help? 
Mm-hmm. So you can follow us on social media. Uh, it's just at DEWC Vancouver. Um, I believe that's Instagram and Twitter. Uh, Facebook is just Downtown Eastside Women's Center. Um, our website is dewc.ca. You can find a bunch of information about uh, volunteering and whatnot there. Um, and you're also welcome to reach out to me if you have an idea of, you know, a, a bake sale or a fundraiser that you want to do. Like, please reach out and yeah, we can always chat about it or brainstorm ideas. And um my email is my name, tyra.gilbert at dewc.ca. And so, yeah, welcome. Or if you have any questions, want to learn more, things like that, feel free to reach out. Amazing. And I'll put all the links and show notes and everything as well. Um, Tyra, thank you so much for taking the time to chat and for all the support you're giving to those who need it um, and being open and available. Of course. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. Thank you so much for being here. I really hope this episode gave you a boost of encouragement to follow your own path, even if it's a little unruly or has a few more weeds than you expected. I would love if you could share this with somebody important to you. We never know who needs a boost. If you'd like to learn more, you can find me at www.leayard.com. And if you want to see a little more behind the scenes, you can connect with me on Instagram at leayard. And now I will leave you with this. We all have more in common than we do not. Be kind when you can. Judge less, less often, and never, ever underestimate your own potential. I'll see you next week.